Jagor, everyone. Jagor. Jagor. Welcome to this episode of today's podcast. Today we are discussing minute 14 of the movie Awake, the life of Yogananda. And I'm joined as always by Priyank and Chris. Priyank, how are you doing today? Very good. Superb. Thank you. Excellent. And how about you, Chris? Fantastic. Yeah, the, the weather's finally picking up. It's nice summertime in Northern nice. Ireland. So, you know, what, what's not to smile about, really? Mm -hmm. Perfect. Sounds really good. So minute 14, uh, let me just uh, give a quick overview. So he basically, he had the vision of going to America and now it's happening. He is on the boat. He has, um, you, you heard his voice where he says, I knew I would dwell in lands far away. And um, we will go through this. Then you will see a little bit of the 20s in America, this um, Charleston song um, that is that is like um, embodying a bit uh, the time that he's and the, the, the cultural difference that he's getting into and his arrival at Boston Harbor and a few of the devotees he's gonna meet there. So let's jump right in. So he's going, he, where we left off was he had the vision um, of going to America and he knew this was the time now. He um, uh, saw people in America. I think he even saw the vision of Mother Center, right? And now he's uh, in the autobiography, the way it starts is um, he entrains straight for Kolkata the next day and off he goes. Um, but after reading Phil Goldberg's book, there's like a few little stories uh, in between that um, about him interacting with Sri Yukteswar and a few other things. Do you, do you want to start talking about this, Priyank? Yeah, sure. So yeah, it's interesting. In, in the autobiography of a yogi, he just says um, there was certain miraculous events that happened, uh, but there'll be too numerous or something to talk about in these pages. So he doesn't actually go into the detail. But thankfully, we know from Phil Goldberg's lovely research, and we obviously we heard him previously in our special interview. So if you haven't heard that, um, he, he authored um, a biography of, of, from, of Yogananda, which is a really, very good supplement to the autobiography of a yogi. So yeah, so he took, before he um, <clears throat> took leave for America, obviously a few things happened. Firstly, how did he, how did, how did he first approach uh, getting permission from Sri Yukteswar? because he, he obviously when when you're under the discipleship of a guru you don't just take such drastic actions such as that do you want to who wants to read that out about him speaking to guruji his guruji at the time chris hey, go on. I'll, I'll give it i'll give it a whirl shall go i go for it yes yeah yeah so uh yeah we we have uh, we have these notes here um so uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and and, and read um, so before Yogananda did take the uh, the trip, he th th there's a, a, a story here where he says, "My head in a whirl, I sought out Sri Yukteswar in Serampur. Guruji, I have just been invited to address a religious congress in America. Shall I go?" The response was, "All doors are open for you." Master replied simply, "It's now or never." But sir, I said in dismay. What do I know about public speaking? Seldom have I given a lecture and never in English. English or no English, 
your words on yoga shall be heard in the West. I laughed. Well, dear Guruji, I hardly think the Americans will learn Bengali. <laughs> Please bless me with a push over the hurdles of the English language. And uh, yeah, did he, did, he, did he get that push? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love this bit because there's two like really powerful kind of prophetic statements in there, isn't it? One, he says, all doors are open for you. And that's an interesting parallel even for us because we think that, you know, our lives are restricted in some way, you know, you, you go and do this, you study this field. So you conventionally, you'll only go and work in this area, right? But actually, there's, there's people that study this and go and golf and do that. That's just a stepping stone to something completely different. So I really like that all doors are open to you. And he and he also says English or no English, your words shall be heard in the West. And that's a really powerful statement. I think it kind of kind of hits it hits home like how powerful this this moment was for for Yogananda. I also liked the previous in Yukteswar previously I said something similarly. You know, when um Yogananda was studying for his um exams and he hadn't prepared and he need he needed your Yukteswar said you need you'll go to the West one day, so you need to qualify with a degree. And Yogananda said, you know, I, I haven't studied how I've been spending all my time with you in the ashram. And then Sri Yukteswara says something along the lines of the, the moon and the sun have a more chance of switching positions than you not obtaining your degree. And I thought, oh, wow, that, you know, that is just so profound. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this kind of rings all in the same. I really love this section of the autobiography yeah. of Yogi. Yeah, I feel like this um, all doors are open for you. It's now or never is basically basically. I mean, I'm not sure how this works for avatars, but it's like he's talking about the karma as well, right? Is it like, I feel like this happens in our lives as well, right? Like we try something and we try and we try, and then there's a moment there where it happens. All the doors are open for you. So basically mm -hmm. that he knew that he was he was able to go. And the, the other thing I find really cool in this um, paragraph is that he wouldn't go without asking permission to Sri Yukteswar, because he wants to do the divine plan. He's not doing his plan, right? So he wants to know, he's doing this for us again, I'm assuming, right? He, he probably like telepathically talked to Sri Yukteswar already, but he's like saying, Guruji, am I in tune with you? Is this what I should be doing? Obviously. <laughs> and I, I really like that, that he's doing it so obviously for us. Yeah, he, he, he kind of needed to hear it from Sri Yukteswar to, for him to say the words, like much like when he asked, uh, do you love me? You know, he wanted to hear his guru say, you know, I, I love you, of course, I, I love um, you. Do you know where my mind goes actually, what just hearing, listening to you guys speaking and reading that is, um, <clears throat> you know, you know the story where Yogananda, uh, I believe, and correct me on this, um, guys, but in the autobiography, when Yogananda is being taught by Sri Yukteswar, and there's a disciple that comes into the midst that really uh, Sri Yukteswar takes a shining to, he, he kind of takes a real like, likening to this uh, to this young young man, young boy, and um, Yogananda was jealous, and he, he kind of thought, well, gosh, you know, he's getting 
all this adoration from, from the guru, from my guru, you know, I, I, I want this. Um, but there is a moment where the, the young devotee went off the tracks and he didn't come back to the, to the uh, hermitage. And I think Sri Yukteswar, I think he showed some remorse, right? I think he showed some dismay that this had happened and this had occurred. So, so when, I, when, I, when I hear this, all doors are open to you, but you have to act. It's now or never. Do it. You, you, can't, you can't sit and do nothing. You, know, you have to go and you have to do the work. And it reminds me of that story. Like this, this person, for whatever reason, at that time, didn't do the work that he needed to do to, to stick on the path. But Yogananda really jumped in with, you know, with with all of his soul and spirit, you know, which, which I love. Yeah, that's a great example. And ten extra points if anyone remembers the name of that disciple. Let's back to you. Reflect that back on you. Do, do, do you know the name? Okay, I thought you were going to come up with a glorious answer. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I wish I could. That would yeah. have been, but then I would be giving extra points to myself. That would also not be right. Yeah, exactly. But maybe, yeah. maybe a listener can, can remind us. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. And um, yeah, should we, the next person um, Yogananda talks to, if I may move on to um, his dad, which is also important, right? Because his dad was, for a long time, he, his dad had the feeling Mokunda has finally found a career that is good for him. And now he is like changing everything again. So he was um, maybe not super happy. Does someone want to read this paragraph? Uh, you read it, Mike. I do it. Okay, so he had this exchange with his father. He said, perhaps we shall not, shall not meet again in this life father who was 67 at this time spoke sadly and an intuitive conviction prompted me to reply surely the lord will bring us together once more and of course we know that this is true because when he was came to india in the 30s they met again one more time and um we know how his um this exchange was um also about money um when they talked they it was um uh, uh, Mukunda or Yogananda, he basically needed some money for the for the ship, um, and he needed some money to actually spend some time in Boston. And it, um, his dad first said he wouldn't support him, and then he had some kind of experience uh, the next night and the next morning. He came to him and gave him a big sum of money, which is. Um, kind of so much how this um, kind of relationship works between Yogananda and his father, because his father is on the one hand trying to be a, a good parent, but on the other hand, he's also a divine um, disciple of Lahiri Mahashai. And also Lahiri Mahashai um, already told him that your son will go to America. So it was, was probably not a complete surprise to him. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting that because even though he knew that in the back of his mind and all these miraculous events that you know his he knew he would have experienced his son go through, and you know in the end he was really proud of his you know Yogananda's school for example in, in Ranchi and he was saying like my I was wrong you know you've done great things mm -hmm. so he would have known all these things so in 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 his heart he would have known but initially it's still he has he has that feeling of 
I don't want my son or any of my children to be far away from me. So initially he um, kind of like gave Yogananda the cold, cold shoulder treatment and saying, how are you going to fund this crazy expedition kind of thing? I'm not, I'm not going to fund, you know, that, that stubborn father approach, which was interesting. But um, mm, yeah. it, there's, a, there's another interesting parallel that um, I could read out um, from mm. from uh, Phil Goldsberg's book, which says <clears throat> about him getting to America, which is now all he had to do was get to America in time for the Congress. So this is the Congress of World Religions. And what actually happened was, who knows actually, does anyone know how did I discuss this in the past? How he actually got to be enrolled for the Congress? I know a little bit about it. I know there was some other person who was supposed to to go, but I'm sure you know it in more detail. Yeah. So yeah, that that's absolutely right. So Phil Goldberg talks about this in his book, and um, he some eminent uh, professor in one of the universities was, was due to go, and for some reason he was unable to go. And um, Yogananda, when he came, when he came into you know, after Ranchi and he came to his father's home saying, I'm going to go to America. These guys, you know, fa his father was, was friends with obviously some very important and prominent people through his profession, etc. They were in the next room discussing these things. And then from that discussion, they said, oh, Yogananda, he's, he's eminent now. He's, you know, let's send Yogananda to this thing. So it, literally he came into his father's home from Ranchi and then this discussion was happening and then it ended up that he would then be the delegate to go. So that's uh, that's quite uh, coincidental. Obviously there's no such thing as coincidence, but you may not have known that. I feel like I, I already talked about that before, but maybe I didn't. <laughs> quite a cool part of the story, isn't it? Yeah. Very, very cool. Very yeah. cool. Serendipitous. Yeah. yeah. Love a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it's like, it's like how not only can he tell the future but he can make the future like or divine mother can make the future for him you know she she told him you're gonna go to america and he doesn't need to know how am i gonna get there or whatever he just goes he entrains for calcutta and then there of course something happens that he gets a reason to go and a means to go and the money to go all in one day probably or in a few days amazing mm -hmm. So it was, I can tell you the name of the person. It was Professor Maitra, who was supposed to go as the India's only representative. But uh, yeah, so he, he sent him in, in, in his place, sent Yogananda. But let's, let's talk about quickly how he got his uh, shipping, because this was during the war, um, pretty much, the First World War. So it was quite, a, or after it, so it was quite a... Um, uh, strange time for politics and international travel and things like that. And obviously there was all sorts of crazy um, uh, craziness happening in terms of the independence movement birthing and lots of incidents surrounding that. So there's this, I'll just read this out from the book. Um, so now all he had to do was to get, get to America on the first in time for the Congress and find a way to pay for the trip, no small feat. At the shipping office where sea voyages were ticketed, he learned that the passage, the, pas the first passenger ship to sail from India to America since the start of the war was slated for departure in about a month, a month from that date. Even better, the SS city of Sparta, which is what it was called, would be sailing directly to Boston. Now, 
coincidence after coincidence after coincidence, right? Then came the bad news. The ship had been completely booked for six months. Yoganana told the English clerk he intended to go. He intended to be on board nonetheless. The man got angry. Not only were no berths available, he told the impertinent Swami, but it took three to six months to process passport applications. With the war recently ended and the independence movement heating up, the British government saw all Indians as potential saboteurs and rev revolutionaries. Yogananda insisted that the clerk write down his name in case there was a cancellation. Probably just to get rid of him, the functionary did so on his shirt cuff. Years later, Yogananda joked that he, he had caused the disagreeable man to ruin a good shirt. <laughs> So yeah, that's a, that's a story of how he then got himself to be on on the ship because what ended up happening is fortuitously that the um, he there there was a there was a vacant space available uh, and then and then he ended up going even though it was fully booked and um, and also the passport getting a passport was uh, one miraculous feat after another which you can also read about in um, in in the book. Yeah, and I, I guess in, in the time back then, in, um, I'm guessing it was 1920, right? So the, the World War ended in 1918, I think, right? Mm -hmm. and, and like you said, the relationship between um, India and the, and the United Kingdom was starting to unravel, right? So they, can, they were kind of more cautious about revolution and things like that. And also traveling in general was probably not the same thing that it was today it was a much bigger feat and when you live in a big big country like india you probably never needed a passport in your life right mm -hmm. to, to to leave and now um you need one quickly and i'm guessing three to six months this is this is kind of when you back then planned something like that you would have planned this a year in advance i'm guessing and mm -hmm. now he it all happens for him in the in a matter of days. He gets his ticket, even though none is booked. He gets his passport. <laughs> so many, so many miracles in the space yes. of maybe a few days, a few weeks. Yeah, it reminds me of um, the time when he uh, <clears throat> triumphantly like left to go to another city as a, a bet with his brother. Do you remember? And uh, he said, basically, God, God's going to take care of me. And uh, he had all these moments of essentially um, uh, fit, you know, stepping in to, to usher him through this journey. Uh, and yeah, it continued, continued all the way throughout his life. Yes. So uh, he, he needed the money from his father uh, or from someone. Um, so his, his, his father said, who's going to finance you? What is all this nonsense? As he said, Yogananda answered like a monk, God, he said. <laughs> and then his father, his father said, I'm not going to give it to you. And then Yogananda said, I never asked. <laughs> and then he says, then he added like a son as an affluent and generous man. You never can tell. You may change your mind. Never declared <laughs> Mr. Gosh. But of course, he did change his mind and his heart would be more... Um, change of heart would be more accurate. The next day, admitting he was wrong to act as he did, he wrote a check to cover the cost of a first class passage. Yogananda handed it back. He couldn't accept it. He said, if 
His father had been coerced by his words. Mr. Gorsh insisted. He had been adamant about not giving him the money because he didn't want to let him go. He had, after all, lost his firstborn son already at the age of 67. Ananda just probably yeah. passed away, his, his oldest brother. And the thought of losing a second to him halfway around the world was hard to bear. Then Yogananda yeah. says, don't, no, yeah, Yogananda says, no, his father says, don't take it from your father, he said of the money, but from a student of Lahiri Mahashai. Aww. And he cried, when are you coming back? Ah, so yeah. amazing. And I, and I feel like this is like um, a, a really, a really big moment. And I like how they, how they describe it in the autobiography when he says, you might give me the money right? <laughs> and and uh and his father says no i would never do that and then he says and and then he compares this conversation with the one he had with ananta mm. like 10 10 20 years before in the chapter two penniless boys in brindavan, in brindavan yeah that's the one chris yeah. is just referring to as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. which and is, then uh, and then he then he asked then his father asked when are you coming back now mm. i'll give you guys guesses as to what he says go on chris guess what does yoga this say when god is done with me or something oh that's good chris, yeah. mike what does he say yeah i would have said when when divine mother allows no you can't say that that's already that answer's already taken <laughs> really okay i mean i don't know one, one was a bit more blunt so i think divine mother sounds a bit more graceful <laughs> <laughs> he actually says in three months if the americans don't need me but of oh, course, wow. they needed him. And three, <laughs> three months became three decades before wow. father mm. and son would have their reunion. Three decades. So he was 67. 67. And when he came back, he was yeah. 97. Wow. Uh, no, no, as in, he stayed in America for three decades until his passing. But he came oh, wow. back after he uh, came 15 back 13 years, years, years yeah, 13, 13 years later. later right. Yeah, so he would have been like 90 at the time. His father, or oh, 80, sorry, 80 would have 80. been. 80. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yes, grand age. You know, it just just to touch on on this um, <clears throat> the, the money aspect of this and and how in, you know from from my experience, you know, we 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 uh, we, we have in our ego. Uh, a need to have ownership over over things and and it it's it was nice for um Yogananda's father to disassociate himself with his own money uh and and you know use the linkage to to um to his devotion to to god because you know it, we we don't actually possess anything really you know we, we have so and, and, and we're essentially stewardships of of uh, our vessels from our body to our house or whatever it might be but i was thinking about this other the other day and it just sparked that thought and i don't know if it's uh, analyzing it too much but I, I, do, I do love the idea of um you know everything in in the name of god you know every you know give give everything else up in in, in the name of god essentially but, yeah it must have been a, a big amount of money as well mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. i mean um i feel like his father was always very generous even though earlier in, in the autobiography they you hear about him and his uh wife um talking about money and because she wants to give more money away and he wants to keep it more together but mm -hmm. um but um 
he, later on um, somewhere he he basically finances himself a whole year or two in Boston um, of with the money of his uh, father. So must have been quite a large amount that he parted with. Yes, but even after all those events, <laughs> Yogananda was still uncertain that he should go. And then yeah. on, so still, you know, worrying. Um, on the 25th of July, 1920, what happens with Mahavatar Babaji? Does someone want to read this section? Oh, Priyank, you can Okay. Can do this bit. Open it up. I get like goody, I get the Babaji section. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what happened was, let me just get it up again. So, so, 25th of July, as I said, in 1920, Yogananda said the ageless Babaji showed up at 4th, 4 Garpur Road to put an end to all this wavering. Early that mo morning, Yogananda began to pray, determined to hear the voice of God, and he gets his answer. And then the, the form of Babaji appears. He says, he must be Babaji. I thought, dazed, because the man before me had the features of the young Lady Mahashai. He, he answered my thought, yes, I am Babaji. He spoke in melodious, melodiously in Hindi. Is this the first time that Yogananda meets Babaji? Then it must be, right? I think I think so, yeah. But I was just also thinking, not to interrupt the story, but uh, were, were there stories that he looked similar to Lahiri. Yes, that's, that's coming. Stories coming. That's yeah, coming. coming. Yes. 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 Like a young version of him. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, our Heavenly Father was, our Heavenly Father has heard your prayer. He commands me to tell you, follow the behests of your Guru and go to America. Fear not, you shall be protected. After a vibrant pause, Babaji addressed me again. You are the one I have chosen to spread the message of Kriya Yoga to the West. Long ago, I met your Guru Sri Yukteswar at the Kumbh Mela. I told him then I would send you to him for training. I was speechless, choked with devotional awe at his presence and deeply touched to hear from his own lips that he had guided me to Sri Yukteswar. I lay prostrate before the deathless Guru. He graciously lifted me up. After telling me many things about my life, he gave me some personal instruction and uttered a few secret prophecies. Kriya Yoga, the scientific technique of God-realization, he finally said with solemnity, will ultimately spread in all lands and aid in harmonizing the nations through man's personal transcendental perception of the infinite father. So... That's, mm. uh, and then it goes on, but uh, yeah. So he got his uh, response from from Babaji. No, none other than Babaji. <laughs> Amazing. And he and, and I and I guess he kind of um, wanted that on top of it because um, he he oftentimes Guruji always mentions the line of gurus, right? Mm -hmm. And it is important to him that he wasn't just sent by Sri Yukteswar because I'm guessing. Also, Sri Yukteswar sending him would have made him go to America, but it was Babaji telling Lahiri Mahashai, telling Sri Yukteswar, telling Yogananda to spread Kriya Yoga in the West. So it's like a 
divine mission from the highest order that he is fulfilling there. And this is basically the confirmation of that. Yes. And the, the last part of the story is um, with a gaze of majestic power, the master electrified me with a glimpse of his cosmic consciousness. Mm. What do you think that means? <laughs> I probably didn't want to fry him on the spot by giving him the entire view. <laughs> do you think this is the same? This is the same as what Sri Yukteswar gave him when he prodded him, and you know after he came back from the trip, and he prob and he's and he's got the experience in the chapter is called "Experience in Cosmic Consciousness," and and the Samadhi poem comes after that. Do you think it's the same thing? Uh Quite possibly, glimpse, I mean, a glimpse yeah. of his cosmic, but it says a glimpse of his cosmic consciousness. His, so mm. It's like Babaji's cosmic consciousness, which is separate somehow to just general cosmic consciousness. Mm. Well, I, I, there is the note there to say that he, he um, gave him sort of secret uh, uh, yeah. truth and knowledge, and that maybe maybe they're connected somehow, but maybe he was showing him distant, uh, distant realities of truth. There's um there's some traditions that place Babaji Mahavatar Babaji extremely highly, like even beyond like you know Bhagwan Krishna and places and things like that. Um, but uh, that's obviously not in our tradition. But yeah, he is obviously thought of extremely highly amongst not just SRF devotees but many other pathways paths that are across across India spiritual paths. And mm -hmm. then yeah, so and then he says. In a short while, Babaji started toward the door, remarking, do not try to follow me. <laughs> you will not be able to do so. Please, Babaji, don't go away, I cried repeatedly. Take me with you. He, re <laughs> <laughs> he replied, not now, some other time. Overcome by emotion, I disregarded his warning. As I tried to pursue him, I discovered my feet were firmly rooted to the floor. From the door, Babaji gave me a last affectionate glance. My eyes were fixed on him longingly as he raised his hand by way of benediction and walked away. Amazing. So this is the second time that his feet were unable to. Yes. Move. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But but this time, but this time it was for not to follow him. As in, with <laughs> Teshwar, his feet couldn't move because he was trying to walk away. Oh, uh, yes. Now, yeah. now he can't follow him. But I, I'm guessing Babaji must be such a strong, loving, magnetic personality that you just um, probably instantly, when you're in his presence and he he's about to leave, you really don't want this to happen. And he just really wanted to keep this Babaji consciousness <laughs> going. And I'm guessing that's what he describes there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a, another another moment when I think they they meet or no, it was Lahiri Mahashan possibly meeting Babaji where his his mind, his mental state was too frenetic, too frenetic for being in the presence of Babaji and it kind of scared him away, not scared him away in that sense, but it uh, caused him to dissipate. So at one moment he could see him and then the next he couldn't, he disappeared in the rays of the sun. I think that's that, that was how it was put. Uh, and that was really on reflection, I think, said that he got too excited uh, to see him and his mental state was, was not 
with God or, or peaceful in that sense. Um, okay, you, you said Kumela. Uh, um, Is that how you pronounce it? Kumela? Um, for anybody who doesn't really know what that is, maybe Priyanka, you could, do you know more about that? Can you tell us more? No, yes, I'm guessing, I'm guessing you might know. If, if you I haven't been, but I intend to go one day. It's, um, it's, it's, it's an astro, astro, um, astronomical event that happens once every well, is it 12 or 13 years or something along those lines. And then there's a place along the Ganges where all, all sorts of mystics and saints and seers, they all seem to congregate. And uh, it's a pilgrimage. It becomes a place of pilgrimage because of that reason. And, and yeah, I haven't been. But obviously, Sri Yukteswar went and he got this lovely image of uh, Mahavadar Babaji. Apparently, it's crazy busy, like millions of devotees. And you can imagine all in the same place <laughs> with the same spiritual ardor. So you have all sorts of people that are there, not, not just devotees, but also all sorts of saints some mm. true and some not so much <laughs> yeah. in in the autobiography uh, i think sri yukteswar um guruji quotes sri yukteswar a little bit about the kumela right he says he went there very skeptical um about he saw he saw people there that he couldn't help but judge in the beginning for not being spiritual enough or claiming things that they aren't and then when Babaji came, Babaji just participated in everything and said, you, you should not judge and found that a pretty cool story. I remember that because mm -hmm. that's like something that happens to all too easy often when yeah. you see something that is just not something as high as you expected, then you. Yeah, might. isn't it? Or didn't it, wasn't it uh, be like the wise ant? who dis discerns between the, the sugar and the sand mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. considering all of it one big mess. Of, yeah, <laughs> completely ruining that beautiful part of the um, <laughs> part of the autobiography. Um, <laughs> nah. So then so then we have yeah. uh, so then now he's got Yogananda has got his got his money, his passport, his invitation yes. to go to America. He's got a <laughs> personal meeting or presence or association with Mahavdar Babaji. And now it would appear he's finally ready to go. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's like um, stories um, out of Phil Goldberg's uh, Berg's book that we can still talk about, right? Yep. One of them. One of them was about when he first got on board the ship, which is the city of Sparta. Yes. Um, um, I can go ahead and read yeah, the, the first read from, part of that paragraph. Yeah, yeah, read it from Sri Yukteswar. From Sri Yukteswar. Yeah. Sri Yukteswar was present and no doubt proud and gratified at the Kidapur dock, which is in uh, Kolkata, I believe, okay. um, the next day to see him off. So Shriyukteshwar was actually there when he left, which is great. Pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, so were most of Yogananda's family and the students and faculty of the Ranchi school. So he got a, a big goodbye from everybody, <laughs> right? And Ranchi isn't even that close, right? Yeah, to no, Kolkata, no, so close, all those yeah. kids who came, amazing. Pretty cool school trip those days. Today we'll be yeah. <laughs> going to see and say bye to our guru. Wow. Amazing. And then uh, one of those students, when he was uh, in America, Swami Premanananda, 
recalled an incident from that day. Yogananda was with him and others at the ship's rail when the captain ordered him gruffly to go to his cabin or else leave the boat. Yogananda met the captain's gaze and said, sir, a gentleman does not speak in that manner. According to Premanananda, the humbled English captain withdrew with bowed head speechless. Americans who looked down upon the heathens of Asia were also about to be humbled by Yogananda's dignity and erudition. Wow. Like, Amazing, right? Like there's, that is also something I like, you know, how confident he is. He's, it's not like let somebody talk down to him because he, he sees in every, the divine in everybody. So he also expects everybody to see the divine in him and, mm. and meet on, on the same level, right? This whole, this was a different time than today, right? There was a lot more prejudice among people and a lot yeah. more yeah. difficulties of communicating. And so I'm, and, and that there was also the language barrier, I'm guessing. I'm guessing this captain was English or American and yeah. Yeah, Indians were generally subservient to the English rulers, weren't they, at the time? So to mm -hmm. stand up to the captain or whoever this um, this chap was is quite something because he could have easily just chucked him off the boat, couldn't he? And that would have been the end of that. There would have been some other way that he would have to have got to America. Yeah, I think I think for me, like when the significant part in this is he met the captain's gaze. Mm. You know, you really come like to meet somebody's gaze in the moment of confrontation. I could just picture, you know, Yogananda meeting his gaze confidently with love, but assertiveness, you know, responding, uh, you know, with some authority. But, uh, you know, it's to go back to what um, you was saying about uh, Babaji, you know, he, he kind of gave him a kind of uh, insight into, into his consciousness. You know, I, I imagine something was transferred in that moment of meeting the gaze where maybe the, the, the English captain was, you know, humble to the point of never meeting somebody so simply. Uh, maybe there's some communication that went on here, you know, with, with meeting the gaze. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then the, uh, the, the paragraph continues. Should I read the rest of it? Yeah, yeah. So the, the city of Sparta, which is the ship, left Kolkata on August 2nd with a cargo of mostly jute and tea, plus 61 passengers, including 11 Indians, Yogananda plus 10 students bound for American colleges, some returning missionaries, businessmen and tourists, and two refugees from the Arme Armenian massacre in Turkey. Interesting that he mentions this here. Mm. On the ship's manifest, under family name, was written Mukunda Lalgosh. Under given name was Swami Yogananda Giri. Giri, yes, spelled wrong. Giri. Giri. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> His age was listed as 25, although he was actually 27 and a half. Well, the, and a half is okay. <laughs> and under calling or occupation, um, were the typed words Brahim in charge. Ah, interesting. <laughs> that sounds like a good title. Um, that was no doubt meant to be Brahmin, although um, Yogananda was not that. But the confusion was allayed 
um, with a handwritten professor. He was listed as an English speaker traveling as a British subject under race or people that typed Bengali was crossed out and replaced with e.indian. It was stamped um, legal entry for arranged residence verified and written in script. Um, sorry, I had to scroll down a bit. Um, written in script, these curious notations, one under the other, political opinions, not raising funds, not liberal, except on religion. That's <laughs> 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 good to go. <laughs> I mean, this whole form sounds like against human rights, in my opinion. <laughs> Just having to answer to all those questions. I love that last bit, not liberal, except on religion. And we obviously, we know you're going to be very, very liberal in, her, in his religious outlook, isn't it? It's really good. This, I really love this section of the book that we we found. Everything from like them misspelling Brahmin <laughs> to getting his age wrong, to getting his name slightly wrong. Yeah. Um, it's just a fantastic bit of, I'd love to have that, uh, that form. <laughs> Me too. But it, it kind of shows also how big the suppression was, right? Mm. The political suppression, there was no freedom of speech, I'm guessing. Mm. But it also looks like Yogananda made a big impression on whoever filled out that form for him. So he, he kind of got, um, um, like when they say Bengali and then crossed out and it says in, e dot, uh, Indian, that's what it East, says? East Indian, that would be, yeah. East Indian, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, w I, wonder, I wonder what all those things really meant yeah. because they probably had a meaning at the time back then. Yeah. And I, I feel like perhaps though he wanted because this would have, an interview would have taken place at this point, right? You know, when you go through immigration, what's the purpose of your visit, all that kind of stuff. So you would have had this kind of interview, wouldn't he? And um, it's interesting, like one of the things that he says that is he, political opinions, full stop. That's one of the things that he's got. So somehow they would have said, all right, so what's your opinion on uh, World War One? <laughs> what, what do you say on your independence movement? What's your affiliation? And he's just got he's got political opinions. So I would love. Could you just imagine the notes that that guy that must have uh, that that meeting? Would you Would you imagine it was an English person asking the questions? I imagine so. I'm or an American person perhaps mm. or actually maybe yeah whoever owns the boat perhaps i don't know uh, who, who would have owned the boat it, it, it was a uk company yeah, right. that owned the boat and there was a mm. uk uk were in control of india at the time mm. so very likely would have been an english officer yeah i can i can this interview must have been really interesting i want but you're right i wonder how they came to to this kind of answer not liberal except on religion um, do you think he would have asked him, are you liberal? <laughs> do you consider yourself a Hindu? No, I'm a Hindu, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist. That's probably why he made him say that um, I'm liberal or that he's liberal. He's not liberal except on religion. So he must have had very strong political opinions, but yes. not in terms of religion. He was, he was going into the US at the time of uh, a, a real crackdown on on the the alcohol scene and, and gambling and, and things like this. So you know, uh, 
which is in the in the uh, pictures uh, that we see in this minute, you know, people having fun and you know in the casino kind of thing. But at the time, like these things were illegal, you know, uh, so you had the prohibition um, and so on and so forth. So not liberal, yeah. I guess it might be seen as a liberal thing to um, allow, you know, live and let live. Maybe so that might have been worth noting at the time, going into the scenes of of nineteen. Uh, 20th century uh, America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From from how he spelled Brahmin, I'm guessing the person who filled out the form wasn't really. He didn't really know who stood in front of him there. Yeah. yeah. He just would he just much, was just getting, Yeah. Go for it. Would much be changed today? I mean, like I, I don't really know that. <laughs> just, like it must have been True. very unusual at the time. Yeah. yeah. Said so on the ship. We have a very famous incident, don't we? On, mm -hmm. the, on this ship that he writes about in the yeah. autobiography of Yogi. Yes. So on the ship, when when you read the autobiography of a Yogi, you hear this one story often where Guruji talks to, he meets someone and some, some professor on the ship finds out that Guruji is going to the Congress of Religious Liberals in Boston and then ask Guruji to give a speech um, on the on the on the ship, and uh, Guruji is like, "Sure, let's let's do it." The and, topic the topic chosen for him was the battle of life and how to fight it. Yes, and the, and we have a whole paragraph here. Mm. Uh, Chris, do you want to read that one? Yes. Sure, if I can find it. <laughs> and it's, the... it's at the bottom. Yeah, it's at the bottom. It's despite. Yeah. Yes, sorry, I wasn't actually in the uh, in the area. Maybe maybe somebody else might jump in yeah. and read it because despite, I don't know. Despite Sri Yukteswar's assurances, Yogananda remained insecure about his facility with English. His English was put to the test when he was urged to give a talk to his fellow passengers. When the captain introduced to him to the audience, he was struck mute. He said that his mind went blank and he remained silent for a full 10 minutes. Some in the audience chuckled. Then the voice of the guru came to him. You can speak. He did, of course, and he describes the he described the lecture the way musicians describe their best performances as flowing from some unknown source beyond their mm -hmm. own volition. The success of that maiden voyage into Indian to English oratory did, did more than boost his confidence. A number of listens gave listeners gave him their cards and suggested he speak at various at their various locations. So that's Amazing. a reading from the the biography by Phil Goldberg, not um, the autobiography, because I, I, it's quite nice. Those little those little side elements, like the title of the talk and the fact that um, other people gave him their business cards, wasn't in the autobiography, mm -hmm. which is obviously important for what about to yeah. happen. He did some networking straight away exactly. on, on the boat already before he arrived. Exactly. But can you imagine 10 minutes not speaking? <laughs> yeah, it must be painful 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Imagine you stand there, you are about to give a speech and you the words are not coming to you. But um, it also <laughs> speaks for Yogananda. You know, he had this willpower, his Guruji told him he can do this. So at no point did he think I'll just walk away. You know, he was instead he prayed to his guru and said, um, "I'm here now. 
you told me I can speak English, help me. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. And in the autobiography, he later mentions that he cannot recall the content yeah. of his speech, but he heard from other people that it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> ah, lovely. Cool. So the next thing, I think we can now skip to him actually arriving in Boston. Yes. And so the scene he, is, he took yes. he took this voyage. Um, we kind of know the route a little bit that he took, right? He, I'm guessing he went around India. I'm not sure where he did all the stops, right? I, I wonder if he did a stop in what was back then called Bombay. Um, if he did a stop somewhere in Egypt because he went through the Suez Canal, right? Yeah. And then he might have stopped somewhere in um, Southern Europe. Um, uh, I'm I'm not sure. Um, where the stops were. And then he would have gone uh, crossing the Atlantic from there um, to, um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm actually not sure, did that ship go to the UK as well and then to America or did it go straight from the Mediterranean? I, I wouldn't know. Let me see if I can find it. He said it was 48 days at sea, apparently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, got the English elements here. Uh, so yeah, so you would have actually gone no, it doesn't doesn't say actually. So now we need to find that out. <laughs> okay. So and then he then he finally arrives in America in the Boston Harbor. Um, and then in the in the film in the Awake film, they they kind of uh, show the scene in, in, by um, um, playing a song that is like uh, supposed to get the viewers in the in the kind of. Uh, right mind for this kind of time, and I'm going to play this now. And... Charleston, Charleston, made in Carolina. Some dance, some dance. I'll say there's nothing finer than. <laughs> and this is the... Yeah, and it's so um, happy and and like, um, but also like kind of. Um, party and really enjoy life kind of kind of song and but it also embodies the the 20s they're they're by a lot of people called the roaring 20s and it was like a time where america was like it was after world war one um a lot of the soldiers came home and there was um i feel like there was a an optimism in the people there but i'm guessing also there was a uh, spirituality lacking a bit so perfect time for Guruji to arrive yes. in um, in the US what do you guys think when you saw this scene this um, this Charleston song and those people dancing and the picture out of the boat arriving in Boston Harbor oh I, whenever I saw I definitely thought of the contrast for where Yogananda would have come from and thought immediately this must have I'm sure he didn't just walk on to a scene of people, you know, spraying champagne over the place. But uh, you know, it, it does paint the picture quite well in in this uh, documentary that he would have been stepping into a world completely alien to what he would have been used to, and uh, certainly with with the mission that he had to to go over and spread spread his uh, his teachings, I suppose, or teaching of his, his guru and so forth. Uh, he would have thought he probably had his job cut out for him. He really would have thought he had a lot of work to do because uh, the euphoria over there at the time, 
and, and the rapture really with, you know, with people uh, getting um, caught up in, in all sorts of practices, he probably thought that he was fighting an uphill struggle. Uh, and I'm sure, and I think he does say somewhere that, um, you know, where, where, where are the people that, uh, you know, God sent, sent uh, or is to send, send to him. And obviously, eventually they come, but uh, I'm sure he probably looked around him and thought, mm, it's going to take some searching, really. Yes, for sure. I mean, we will talk about the people he meets also in the in the next minute and then the following one, which um, are the, his first devotees that he meets in America, which are some great personalities. Mm -hmm. um, it is um, interesting um, also, can you guys imagine the difference of uh, atmosphere like you're in India that is still occupied by the by the United Kingdom um, where it's like um, and like the way he filled out this form where he said not liberal but mm -hmm. in religion and now he comes to America which seems to be this free country where everyone can do what he wants um, and they and they seem to be on a on a liberal kind of um, streak a little bit like there, there's a few things that I mentioned earlier, like about the war ending. And I also saw here the, the prohibition era um, was just about to start when he came, which is um, not so liberal, I guess. But women got the right to vote, which is uh, kind of the, like, seems like the modern age is about to start over there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it would have been so far advanced to to where India was at the time, uh, and um, still is, you know, for, for somebody who maybe has never left India to go to the United States today, uh, I, I'd imagine it's it's uh, maybe a similar uh, state of affairs depending where you're from. But um, yeah, in, incredible incredible scenes really, uh, and you know th this uh, let's say energy that the United States has is is what propels them into the next hundred years. The Yogananda really comes, times it perfectly, doesn't he? Because the gross age of materialism that, um, you know, the United States is going through currently, but it really started back then, um, became at the same time as Yogananda went with his message, which is curious if you think about it, like, you know, I, I've heard that to every problem, there's a solution and there's never, there isn't a solution. Uh, sorry, yeah, uh, and uh, really Yogananda is the solution uh, to many people's, mm -hmm. Uh, need for spiritual uh, mm. wealth. They have a lot of material wealth, but lacking in spiritual. Uh, mm. So you're going to have to really times it perfectly to, to arrive. Yeah. And then, and then can you imagine you are Yogananda on this ship and you are coming into Boston Harbor and he stands on the railing and looks at Boston. And, and then this, um, when, when the city of Sparta arrives in Boston, there's this amazing picture taken, this famous one, where Guruji is um, looking out. I think he's pointing his finger. He's wearing a turban. Um, very smart jacket. You, beautiful, mm -hmm. isn't it? It is very beautiful, yeah. What do you guys think about when you saw this for the first time? Brilliant. I absolutely loved it. I'd love it. I think we've talked about the fusion of East-West in terms of the mm. dress, but this is beautifully personified here and mm -hmm. one thing that is of interest is he's cleanly shaven in this picture and mm -hmm. he was not certainly was not before he left 
the shores of India. And by the way, I found out whilst in that intervention, when he left the shores of India, the ship had one stop, which is in Port Said in Egypt, and before then going all the way straight to um, to Boston. Uh, to Boston. Yeah. So anyway, so this picture, the Boston, I've got a bit of a bit of trivia about it. A Boston Globe photographer with an eye for photogenic arrivals had the exotic visitor pose for a picture that would appear on page seven on the next day's paper in black and white tableau with three other images. Um, a comely young woman with an adorable child and the Armenian, Armenian refugee sisters Nashushe and Zaruhi Grijivan, I don't know, decked out in all matching coats and feathered hats. Yolanda is pictured head to toe in his turban and shin length tunic with white collars that look like what he would now call a mock turtleneck, dark putties, clothes, cloth, cloth striped um, strip, cloth strips wound around the lower leg, and western shoes. Staring at the camera with a half pleasant smile, he is clean shaven as a baby, and he would remain so for the rest of his days, even earning a reputation for never having to needing to look like he needed a shave. Some friendly shipmates had convinced him it was wise to get rid of the beard. It was the first of many times he modified or abandoned an Indian custom in America, but he adamantly refused to cut off his hair. The accompanying article identified him as Swami Yogananda Giri, again the error, a Hindu of Ranchi, India and said he'd shocked reporters when he bid them good morning in perfectly good <laughs> so I, I find that, i found that fascinating so he decided to retain some of his um, indian appearances and mm -hmm. uh, you'll remember that yogananda uh, sorry sri yukteswara told him forget you were born among hindus and don't adopt all the ways of the americans mm. take the best of both peoples mm. be yourself a child of God, seek and incorporate into your being the best qualities of all your brothers scattered over the earth in various acres. Yeah. 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 So right. he seems to have started that and the ship with his hair and his beard. Yeah, it's interesting that he, you know, if that, if that is true, then he took the advice of people that he met really on the ship and it was maybe even that last minute, I guess everything was quite hurried along in, in the last few days, but even even to that point, you, you know, it's it's amazing just how quickly that happened really for him and how, how amazing a job he did just to kind of go with the flow. You know, it's we shouldn't take it for granted. It's yeah. incredible. Also the confidence, right? Like imagine you go to a different country and immediately you like i i would say you are right i mean he did that while when he arrived he didn't do this after living in america for three years and mm -hmm. you know he mm -hmm. he went for it right away and thought i want i'm going to spend some time here in america and i want to do um i want to meet the americans halfway i'm guessing that's kind of the message a little bit right mm -hmm. yeah in the u.s everybody would have been I get, well, I guess uh, at the time, maybe it was a mustache and maybe it was a little bit of a goatee of sorts. I'm not sure what the style would have been back then, but uh, probably more mustache, but uh, clean shaven and then 
uh, something like that, a little twirly kind of mustache. So. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine a mustache? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lahiri Mahashah style or something. <laughs> Amazing. I would like that. Mm -hmm. um, thinking, thinking a bit of uh, about time, I think um, mm -hmm. uh, would it be okay if we moved on to yes. um, the next picture that uh, um, was very famous, which the is video, um, video. It's even it's even a video. Yeah, yeah. it's um, Yogananda walking down the streets of Boston with his entourage, which is which are the first devotees that followed him in when he came to the United States. And there, there are some great personalities among them. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I can read, I can read. So we, we know about this because it's a very rare video and it looks like a very strange video. Like it's like, it's almost staged. So mm -hmm. it's Yogananda walking with four people behind him um, in very strange dress. And I've got some background from Phil Goldberg's um, biography and it says, um, so basically what happened was, this is actually a much later, um, much later video that was produced as a, as something for, he, he was touring New York and this, he was going to do a talk and someone had advised him to do a promotional video for the talk mm -hmm. or a picture. And then this is what's written. Um, prominent New, New Yorkers showed up on November the 24th. Mm for the Gotham debut, a free lecture at the prestigious town hall, whose midtown environs were jumping with jazz and bootleg liquor. A classified ad for the event right next to the Al Jolson, the world's greatest entertainer, who was pictured in blackface, shows Yogananda in a turban and says he'll be speaking on sensational discovery of everlasting youth. Mrs. Southwick, who would also speak and a violinist, violinist would perform. Tickets were $1 to $3. A spread about the coming events in New York Tribune showed Yogananda, which is what we're showing, walking on the city street in a long robe and turban, his wavy hair flowing over his right shoulder to his chest. With him are four Americans in an unlikely garb Indian style flowing fabrics and headscarves for the three women and a turban for the man in his overcoat in an overcoat. They are identified as Mrs. Mrs. Southwick, Mr. and Mrs. J.E. Smith and Sister Yogamata. And the headline reads, a famous Swami comes to town. It was surely an eye catching scene, even in the city where eye catching scenes were commonplace. <laughs> Amazing. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I, it's like you, you have like um, Yogananda going in a traditional Hindu dress, I'm guessing, but then also his four American companions going in in a, like an Indian style dr uh, dress code, which is which is pretty great. I'm, I'm guessing back in the day, this was not something that people were used to at all. So this must have been quite a scene. Um, I love that they chose the, uh, the the subject of um, maintaining eternal youth. This was probably something people cared about. <laughs> yeah, this, I think this that talk was a bit after his initial arrival to Boston, but they've used mm. this video footage from that promotional mm. material. Someone was had happened to be recording it as well as taking a picture of those mm -hmm. posters that they were creating. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's it's yeah. very very good quality. Uh, 
you know, for 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 the time. Whenever I watched it, uh, you can still still see Yogananda's um, arms. You know how how well. Um, I, I don't think they're ironed, but they're very well kept. You know, he's just pristine, isn't he? You just look at him. I think he's pristine, and when he gets closer, I just love that it. It's quite a long shot. This isn't just a two-second clip of this video. You know, it, it's um, it's quite a lengthy shot. So he walks right up to the camera, and you can see he's maybe looking to see where he's going to walk, where he's going to go next. You can just see the glimmer in his eyes, his little twinkle in his eyes. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's an amazing visceral. You know, it's a really great shot uh, and fantastic that they really included the whole thing uh, in the in the documentary. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, really good that they found that video, I suppose, mm -hmm. somewhere buried yes. in the archives. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, this is, uh, and especially the fact that this is a video of such an early time in Yogananda's life. Mm. is pretty great and there's mm. there's more to come um of yogananda um in the next two minutes of yogananda in boston or in, in new york coming to the west which is super interesting um we have um, reached the hour mark now yeah. and i've and i feel we also wrapped up minute 14 pretty well yeah. is there anything else um you want to still add chris so really from from me uh just a reflection on on the journey and the commitment and the, like you said like the confidence and and the magnetism that, that yogananda had and it's it's just great to hear these stories from phil goldberg and to, to hear uh, uh and being shared today like i just think it's a fantastic uh, moment for for the world really you know how uh how important this this is uh, i'm sure we can't measure so uh Amazing, uh, really, really great to, to hear it personally as well. Loved it. Great. Yep. And you, Priyank? Yeah, just finally, if, if you guys really like that Charleston song, you can find it. The <laughs> lyrics are by Cecile Mack and the music by James P. Johnson. And it was first introduced on Stride Piano Method of Playing, apparently. And it was also a, the, the features an American Black Broadway musical comedy show, Running Wild which had its premiere in the new colonial theater in new york so if you want to know more about that video which is a pretty cool video and um song then you can find it there oh very interesting amazing so good so this wraps up minute 14 um thank you all for listening thank you guys for joining jay guru jay guru see you next time <laughs> <laughs>